The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here's Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to The Second Stage. Hopefully, uh, you're all, all uh, kind of out and about. Join the uh, semi-clear day here in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. You know, I'll take this kind of semi-clear yeah. weather in December in Cleveland, Ohio. Makes Christmas shopping all the better. Even though the Browns lost, it was a nice uh, semi-sunny day. It was, uh, you know, we got to take what we can. So it's, uh, no, it was nice. Good stuff. We got a lot of it, exciting stuff to talk about too, Jeff. Even, yeah, even well, above I, the, Well, as you know, uh, I don't care about the Browns. I care about the you Steelers. No, yeah. no, no, no. So oh. let's talk about them. How about the Buckeyes? <laughs> Talk about that 50, oh, 59 to zip beatdown. Yeah. That, that was, yeah. That was the beatdown yeah. to our Wisconsin listeners. We want to apologize, but uh, yeah. that was that was a beatdown. That wasn't even – I don't even know how you lose 59. I feel like I could at least get scratched out three points. I get, I, get, I was surprised. I mean I was obviously – you know, we're pulling for the Buckeyes. That, that creates another party around here, um, and I'm always up for another party. But um, but that was – I was a surprise. I thought it was constant. It was. I thought it was going to be really close. It is. Uh, is what it is. I agree. I agree. But we're in the playoffs, and they're not. So that's all that yeah. matters. Yeah. Now. So, so we what, have to play what Alabama? Else? They don't get to. That's right. <laughs> the pleasure of playing yeah. Alabama. So what? Are you, what else are you celebrating, Brennan? You, uh, you said not the Browns, but you were celebrating the Buckeyes. Is there anything else? I don't know. Am I forgetting something? No. The, no. Okay. You, good. Good. I was hoping to leverage your your. You know your your half full attitude. Wow. Well, yeah. No, I I'm sure I'm celebrating something, um, but it's <laughs> I, it's not yet clear. Um, the uh, no, it's it's interesting. We got a lot of feedback from our last show, Jeff, uh, as you know, um, and uh, I think I think one of our favorite questions, and, and uh, we um, obviously had uh, Randy Gerber from uh, from the show last last week. And uh, one of our big questions was uh, all about, you know, this strategy thing and about hope not being strategy. And maybe talk about that a little bit. <laughs> well, you I know, know we hope because we do hope a lot. You know, exactly. that's, uh, well, hope is certainly a part of any plan for sure. But I think to rely solely on hope as your strategy, I think, was was the point. Uh, and that that um, and this is this was Randy Gerber, founder and principal of Gerber LLC. And he can be found at www.gerberclarity.com. Um, and uh, the point of the show was really about wealth management and and trying to focus first-generation entrepreneurs on uh, building their business and integrating their life in their business. And, and um, it was a very, very great 
topic, and I would encourage our listeners to go back and listen to it. Uh, but what he said with respect to hope is not a strategy is, uh, you know, the critical mistakes that first generation entrepreneurs make is not having a written business plan. Um, and when you don't have it, you know, committed to paper, it really looks a little bit more like hope than, than reality. And I think, you know, if, if you think about some of the you know books we're reading as part of evolution, you know, and great by choice, they talk about uh, empirical creativity, which is, you know, that, that, that when you drive a business, it's got to be based on data, regardless of what the gut feel is and so forth. If you, if you as an entrepreneur have a strategy, have a plan, the, 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 the data should come by and, sh- and support that stuff. And so if the data is supporting it, it, sh- you know, makes it, it makes it more, uh, more believable. Believable and more concrete, and in the probability of, you know, uh, running yourself out of money or out of cash or out of business um, is uh, is much much lower. Sounds like one of our pillars, Brendan. Does, my God, does it really? <laughs> yeah. You know, Jeff, I don't know if you know this or not, but everything comes back to one of the pillars. It really does. I'm everything trying to. Does. I'm actually trying to get my family to focus on the five pillars. I'm not doing so good, but I think it even applies to your personal life. Yeah, as my high school football coach used to say, you, you can't be pushed or pulled. It's got to come from within. And if your family doesn't want it, you got to want it, right? And if you and if they don't want to, it's hard to. Because I can tell you, you know, for uh, one of my uh, for one of my anniversaries, I gave Marnie a little little kind of personal planning uh, book and some concepts. And if Marnie, if you're listening, hang up. She wasn't very happy with it, Jeff. <laughs> so now I'm sure Marnie's not listening. But yeah, good. set that aside. Neither Sarah. Um, <laughs> I, I lose track. I don't know what it is with you. I lose track. I think yeah. I'm on target, and, and I'm don't losing do track. Don't do it, man. Don't do yeah, it. I know. I know. Um, well, let's turn our attention to to this week's show. If we okay. can do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, our guest today is Brett Smith. Uh, Brett is a uh, director of the, in- and he's a PhD, by the way. Wow. Uh, we, don't, we don't have a whole lot of those on this show. No. No. Uh, I don't even know how to spell PhD. That's tough. <laughs> uh, he is the director of the Institute for Entrepreneurship at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. That's Do you know Ohio, how to find that place? Florida. Do you know how to find that place? Yes, yes. You just it's it's God's country. Okay, uh, good. Down there, and uh, you you can certainly go to uh, miamioh.edu uh, is the website. But Brett. As the director of the Institute for Entrepreneurship at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, uh, he leads uh, one of the leading undergraduate entrepreneurship programs in the U.S. In fact, it was ranked in the top 25 in the country the last seven years in a row. And if I am, I believe that uh, includes, I guess that is undergrad. He said undergraduate. Anyway, he uh, founded the social entrepreneurship program. Uh, there at Miami, which has won several international awards, including Best Undergraduate Program in Social Entrepreneurship, the U.S. Department of State Grants for Social Entrepreneurship Programs full of Fulbright Scholars from Afghanistan and North Africa, two Ashoka U Innovation Awards, the Skoll World Forum on Social Entrepreneurship Pedagogical Innovation Award. I can't say that five it's times Easy back. for you to say. Easy yeah, right. Say. And the NYU Social Entrepreneurship Research Conference Best Paper Award. His research has been featured in a number of leading academic and practitioner journals, including Academy of Management Journal, Forbes, Journal of Public Policy and Marketing, Leadership Quarterly, and MIT's Innovations. And so you you went to MIT. Am I right, Brendan? Yeah. For entrepreneurship? It was, uh, for the, for the, uh, for the, uh, yeah, the Master's in Entrepreneurship. 
but it's a kind of a three-year program. I'm sure that MIT doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't consider me a, an actually a, a, an alum, but uh, you know, I like to wear the T-shirt. But no, it's a, it's a. They actually have some, you know, great, great learning, and it was, uh, it was wonderful to be around the other 66 entrepreneurs there. But uh, no, it's a. As, as we always do, Jeff, always look for a better way, and uh, we keep uh, finding every day that there is a better way to do some of the things we're doing. So that's that great. is exactly right. That is exactly right. So before you go much farther. I want to remind everyone that each week we want to provide actionable advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. We want to hear what works and what doesn't. We want to create a true community of entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs. You can also email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Uh, and I also want to thank uh, our sponsors, McGladry LLP, a leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. Uh, when we come back, uh, we will have our guest, Brett, Dr. Brett Smith. Do you call him Dr. Brett Smith? Well, I'm gonna, that's my first question is do we call him Dr. Brett Smith? Let's just call him Dr. Brett. If that's, yeah, I think he'll like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I, I'm sure you'll like that. Okay. All right. If I, was, if I was a PhD, you could call me Dr. Brendan. Oh, my gosh. I would be yeah. rubbing that in everybody's face, although I'm not smart enough. I'd have to get yeah. an honorary doctorate for sure. Uh, anyway, thank you for tuning in to the second stage. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is our show, but it is a forum, so we're looking for input from you so we can benefit from everyone's experience. Uh, we have our guest, uh, Dr. Brett Smith, Director of the Institute for Entrepreneurship at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, on the line. How are you, Brett? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure. 
So <laughs> we were. We, I, I told our listeners in the first segment. My first question to you was whether we call you Doctor Brett Smith or Doctor Brett. How, how do you want to be? How do <laughs> just wanna, the doc or just the doc? How, how about just Brett works just fine. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I, I would I would make everybody call me doctor. I just that's just me. But you know, we, you we, probably, we do things, try we do things try more them. like a startup. So so I'm more blue jeans and and bread. I think works better. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Well, that leads us into our topic today, which is the fact that I've got to go down to Oxford for a hockey tournament this weekend, and I just got to know where I should be hanging out. <laughs> Those we can take care of, no problem. Right. We can set you up right, with good. a list. I'll, I'll of follow places. up with an email there, but <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we'll we'll be down there. So, so in all seriousness, today's show is creating entrepreneurial. Uh, say that five times fast. Entrepreneurially minded students, um, and you know, Brett, you've you've obviously been a huge part in leading the creation for the entrepreneurship program at Miami. It's been incredibly successful, and it's something you and I had talked about over a year ago and sharing the success of the program and really what you're teaching these students, um, you know, as they are kind of coming up through through uh, through undergrad. Right. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I, I think we often get asked is kind of, well, you know, let's start at the beginning. What do we mean by entrepreneurship? Um, and I think from our perspective, um, you know, often you ask students that, they'll say, oh, it means starting a business, which is true. In, in part, it does. I suppose we, we would encourage them to go a little further and say that that's part of the definition, but, but there's perhaps more to it. So, so we tend to think of it in two ways. Um, kind of as a mindset, right? So think like entrepreneurial mindset, things like opportunity obsession, always looking for those opportunities. Things like tolerance for risk and ambiguity, which is not the kinds of everyday kinds of, of teaching you would do. So, so on the one hand, it is a mindset piece. On the other hand, it's a set of activities. So if we just think and we don't do, well, we're not really an entrepreneur. So the kinds of things are the sets of activities um, that we think entrepreneurs engage in are identifying, evaluating, developing opportunities. You know, rarely is the first idea the end, you know, financially, commercially viable opportunity. We think of it as marshalling resources. And, and often students will say, oh, cool, you mean money. Yes, we do mean money, but we mean more than money. It's not just financial capital. It's human capital. It's social capital. It's intellectual capital. And then lastly, it's about creating value, both for, for themselves and for others. So, so I think we would define entrepreneurship a bit broadly as, as saying it's a mindset, it's a sec, set of activities, or maybe it's a way of thinking and a way of acting. And that's really how we think about entrepreneurship uh, here. I love that. Jeff, did you get all that down? Yeah, I'm writing feverishly. Yeah, I got good. most of it. <laughs> that, that'll yeah, be on the exam smokes. next week. Yeah, well, holy we'll, smokes. We're recording this, so we'll, yeah. we'll be able to re-listen right. to it. We'll, we'll re-listen? Yeah, that's good. Um, so, obviously, guys that are as old as uh, Jeff and I are, and I'm a little older than Jeff, but uh, um, the, the concept of learning entrepreneurship in college, I mean, good God, how do you teach entrepreneurship at the college level? Yeah, it's a terrific question, and, and this goes back to sort of the age-old debate of um, are, are, are entrepreneurs born or are they made? And, and the answer is yes, right? I mean, there are certain um, dispositions that people have that naturally gravitate themselves, but there's a lot that can be taught, and, and I think we know that by looking at serial entrepreneurs, by looking at accelerators and incubators. That, that there's a lot of belief about how do you teach it. Uh, to our way of thinking, there's no substitute for 
pardon the analogy, throwing them into the deep end of the pool. Uh, and so that's the way that we believe it's best taught. It's by experience. It's by putting students in experience after experience after experience that best replicates what they're going to do. So how do we erase the the imaginary line between the campus and the real world, well, it's by putting students in real-world examples time and again. So in in our case, students will actually go through multiple real-time, real-world client projects. Not case studies, not things that happened in the past, but real-time with real clients sort of moving through that. Um, And we think that that's the best way to actually teach it. So of course, they'll go through curriculum, they'll do lean canvas sort of business models, kinds of things, but we really think that that the real learning happens through things like startup weekends, internship programs, client projects, that that's really where the students move beyond this, hey, what's it about? How do I apply it? How do I learn it? How do I use it? What's a startup weekend? Yeah, so startup weekend is sort of 54 hours idea to prototype. Uh, So students, rather than going out on a Friday night, will show up and say, okay, I pitch a business idea Friday night. Uh, We break into teams, and then for the next 54 hours, surrounded by mentors, we'll sort of iterate our way all the way through customer validation, all the way ending up on Sunday uh, by doing an actual uh, prototype uh, and presenting your pitch in front of investors. And so the idea is, how do you move people and accelerate the process? 54 hours, idea to prototype. Uh, we just recently completed one this past fall and had just over 100 students go through the process. Wow, that's pretty neat. I can tell you, when I, we hear you talk about just you know deep end of the pool stuff, I, I just when I was 28, I was blessed. I got a, a group of old customers, people, listeners of the program, heard this a thousand times. That literally, that I was 28, and they said, "Let's go do a project," and uh, they gave me real money and real, uh, real, you know, kind of control of the project, or at least I perceived I had control, which is uh, you know is as important as having control. Yeah. And uh, it's just it was uh, it's amazing, you know, what you uh, what you can do when you kind of have to. Um, Talk, talk a little. You had a kind of a bullet point here about about lean and lean business models. Um, uh, one of my favorite words in business. But uh, what, what do you mean by that? A lean sure. business model. Yeah. So so, so a, a lot of the work that's come out with with Eric Reese and others around lean startup, uh, and, and the idea is really here. Um, at least in higher education, a lot of the work has has moved from let's teach them how to create a business plan to let's focus more on the business model first. It's not to suggest business plans aren't important. It's to say let's get them to understand how a business model works and the interconnectivity beginning with a problem and with customer validation. And and so often uh, a student will come into our program and say, I have a great idea. And, and we'll push back and say, well, tell me about the problem. Tell me about the customer first and the problem that you're solving, and then we'll assess whether or not it's a great idea. And, and so Lean Model is really an efficient way to try and get students to think through a business model even before they go through the, all the homework and background and, and work that would go into building out a full business plan. So when I think of Lean, I think of getting, you know, getting out that, 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 that white, um, area or that you know that gray area is lean. I'm not. It might. So this is more of just how how you shake out the the the, the concept or, or maybe give me a little more there. 
Yeah, so this, I mean, this is really a process that's out there. There's, there's a number of books that have been written about, about how to go through sort of this lean startup process. Uh, and it's really trying to, to shortcut the amount of time that it takes to actually go out and begin to gain some validation and, and I suppose we would call it testing of hypothesis. I've got, I've got a hypothesis that there's a customer out there that has a certain problem that I can solve and that this can do it. And so it engages things like rapid prototype type and it engages things like early customer validation before we've built the whole model, before we've gone through all the bells and whistles only to find out it's not what the customer wanted. It's much more around more quickly beginning to engage the customer and do customer validation in the process. Boy, I love that. It's fun. I, when I hear you talk and I listen to the some of the mentors I had when I was back when I was 28, and they would just go, "If you, this is so great, go sell something. You know, go see, if, go see if you can get something going." I'm like, "You can't do that, can you?" I'm like, of course you can. But it's uh, it's it's awesome. Hey, talk about what the goals of the program. I mean, you know, what's what's what, what do you guys want to have happen here? What, what's a what's an acceptable outcome? Or, you know, sure. what, what no, are you it's, a, it's a wonderful question because we're often asked, how many of your students start a, start a business right out of undergrad? Um, and we'll push back a little only to say it's perhaps not the right metric. We have some students that will do that, um, but we believe that that's probably going to be a, a small percentage of students, a minority. And we'll help them. We'll encourage them. We'll wrap capital around them and mentors around them and all those kinds of things. But the reality is at 22 years old, there aren't that many students that are ready to build highly scalable businesses. And so for many of those students, it's really about learning process. And, and if you would equate, you know, a traditional business school to perhaps developing the corporate workforce, in part, we think of ourselves as developing the startup workforce. So how are we beginning to train those students that right away from day one can immediately add value in startup and high-growth companies right from the beginning, which is in many cases a different skill set uh, than it would be going into sort of traditional large corporations. And so that's a key piece for us. Now, as we look further down the road, we do have a number of alumni that go out and build businesses, but often it's after they acquire human capital, after they, they acquire more financial capital. So, so by way of example, um, Ryan Graves, one of our alumni, is, is one of the top guys at Uber. Um, and he comes back to campus with some great regularity. Uh, Gerard Lopez was the first funder of Skype, um, which they sold to eBay. And so we've got lots of success stories of alumni that have done this, but many of those super successful alumni have done it after spending some time either in a startup environment or in another environment where they gain some, some additional skills. That's, that's pretty neat. Um, you know what I'm thinking as I listen uh, to Brett talk? Jeff, I think you should go back and get uh, an entrepreneurship uh, undergrad degree. I think <laughs> you know what? I was, I, I was in the entrepreneurship program uh, under John Altman, who you know, Brett, um, back in the day. And then what happened? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. No, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I was going to ask about the different kinds of programs, and we are going to talk about social entrepreneurship in the next segment. But you have three different kinds of entrepreneurship at Miami. You've got startup entrepreneurship, which we've been talking about, but you have corporate entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship. And I would argue that uh, as we we're preparing for the show, I was boring Barbara, our producer, about my experiences in corporate entrepreneurship uh, early in my career where I was always doing something a little bit different and uh, and it largely worked, uh, certainly got you know, 
uh, cut back a few times, but got you hearing, got you here to evolution capital. Well, it didn't didn't prepare me for startup entrepreneurship. We started evolution. (laughs) That was a whole different experience. Um, but, but, uh, but I think what you're saying, Brett, to, to continue on with your earlier thought is, is that, you know, going out and starting a, a company out of college is not necessarily what you're looking for them to do that they do oftentimes the better route is to get a base of experience in the corporate world or in a small business or uh, something along those lines before you go out and try to do it on your own yeah i i think it's sort of on, on one hand continuing education but but on the other hand if we go back to our definition of it's a way of thinking it's a way of acting Right, so it's an entrepreneurial mindset and a set of activities that, that entrepreneurs engage in. I suppose we'd argue that, well, then that can happen in lots of different settings. Of course it can happen in startups, and we see that. And we see that our students can add value right away, but it can also happen in, the, in these other contexts. It can happen in corporations that five years ago were literally looking at an entrepreneurship program, and if it said that on a student's resume, we're putting that in, in the junk pile. Today, those same corporations are coming to us and say, can you help me identify entrepreneurial students? Because that's the same spirit, that's the same sorts of skill set that we need within the confines of our corporation. And, and yes, you do see it happening in the social sector as well. What's the, from the Miami student body, how many people, how many, how many students do you guys have a year looking at? I realize I may be jumping up to question six, but um, how, 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 what's the demand for entrepreneurship? Because you just, you know, just you wouldn't know whether kids would know about this sort of stuff. Yeah, no, it, it's a great question, and, and I will say, if we, we look back historically, as little as five years ago, we had a relatively small program. So, not to say students didn't engage in it, but they did. Uh, but what we're seeing is huge growth in the entrepreneurship program. So, in in the last three years, we've actually doubled the size of the program. Uh, and today we touch more than 10% of the student body. Um, and wow. so you do see this just dramatic macro-level trend to say students are interested in entrepreneurship and they're see- seeking it out on college campuses. They're seeking it out as ways of future employment and of ways to, to sort of contribute to, uh, to society. I just think that you know the general concept of – Teaching people that that's that, that chasing one of their dreams is a is a viable alternative is a you know for for most of the population that's a big hurdle I would guess or am I am I off base there? Well, I you know again I think here's maybe where we benefit a little bit from from the audience you know for a college student they're 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 at a time in life where they're really engaging those questions of what do I want to be when I grow up and and you know maybe the three of us will grow up one day but until then we'll we'll sort of continue to engage them. And, and what I mean by that is the students are at a time in life when they're thinking anything is possible. And, and I suppose what we're trying to do is give them the skill set that says, yes, anything is possible. And here are some ways that you can improve your odds of getting to where you're trying to get to. Uh, and entrepreneurship is one of those key vehicles that students are looking at um, sort of across the country. I mean, we see this as a, as a macro level trend uh, of which we're, we're a part of. Hey, Brett, I'm going to go a little off topic here. Tell me how how did you how did you find this? You know, tell me a little bit about your background and how you ended up with this concept and launching this program. I mean, it just that seems like a how did it happen? 
Sure. So, 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 a uh, little, little bit of history. So, the con, the, the program actually predates me. Uh, I, I've taken over and, and sort of helped build and develop the program. Our entrepreneurship program dates back to 1992, uh, and it was founded by by the guy that Jeff referenced, uh, John Altman. Uh, the program has continued to build and grow and develop, and as I said, it's now more than 30 courses and more than 10% of the student body. Um, my own background, uh, I, I graduated from Miami University and um, went to a, a high-growth corporate startup. It was called CHEP, and they were in the logistics business. Um, and, and as I looked at opportunities, it was either Fortune 500, which wasn't as attractive to me, or this high-growth corporate startup. So I did a number of entrepreneurial things, uh, a corporate startup, a couple internet startups. We actually did some, some retail food business in Annie Ann's. Um, and so this was part of, uh, I suppose, uh, a trajectory or path of mine that, that I had great interest in. But I always wanted to come back. I always wanted to give back. I thought it would be a little later in my career. Uh, but it just happened that it was earlier in my career. So I came back in, in 2001 and taught for a couple of years. Uh, worked on my Ph.D. and then came back for good in 2006. Uh, but if you look up and down our faculty, what you will see is every single member of our faculty has been an entrepreneur on the outside or still is in some way, shape, or form. And we think that's incredibly valuable to not just have sort of the contextual book knowledge, but to have the street smarts, to have that, that practical experience really goes a long way at helping to educate um, students in this space. We agree. We are going to take another brief break here at the second stage and come back and continue to talk to our guest, uh, Brett Smith, about entrepreneurship in the undergraduate experience at Miami and, and really any schools and, and maybe get a little bit more into uh, some of the 30 different uh, programs that, that they have inside the entrepreneurship program. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, 
Call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. We're here with our guest, uh, Brett Smith. He is the director uh, for the Institute for Entrepreneurship at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Uh, when we broke off from the previous segment, Brett, I suggested maybe we talk a little bit more about the 30 different programs within the Entrepreneur Institute for Entrepreneurship and, and what specifically you're, you're teaching these, these students. Yeah, no, thanks. And and it's it is a good question because again, it links back to to how do we teach entrepreneurship? Uh to, so to our way of thinking, really the, the the base level understanding there is a business model. And so the sooner we get them thinking about a business model and how the pieces of a business model interact, that is the the need for a product or a service and and customers out there and and even if they'll pay for it, are, are those dollars sufficient to cover your operating costs and still have dollars left over? That's a really fundamental starting point. Um, and it's particularly important for us. We have some 50 percent of our students, more than, actually come from outside of the business school. Uh, and and so the way that we think about entrepreneurship is, yes, you can major in it, but but if you're going to double major in it, or what many of our students do is actually major in something else. They have their domain specific knowledge somewhere else, and then minor in entrepreneurship. And so you major in computer science or whatever. Well, if you major in computer science, you may not understand a business model. So that's a fundamental starting point for us. We then engage students in a number of skills around uh, entrepreneurial marketing, creativity, finance, and leadership uh, before they begin to move into their content areas. And again, we, we think of entrepreneurship is playing out in one of, of actually four different ways now, startup entrepreneurship, corporate, social, uh, and we have an increasing uh, practice in what we call creativity um, and creative entrepreneurs, and this is a, a, an emerging group for us. Uh, and then after a content course, they move into sort of traditional business planning course, and then they, every student will actually have a consulting class where they consult with a smaller emerging growth enterprise uh, in their area of study, so whether that's corporate or startup or social. Uh, and, and so, as I said, over the course of time, they will have had as many as five real-time, real-world experiences that move through that curriculum. So uh, two questions, I guess, uh, to delve into this a little bit further is uh, it, what point in, uh, it, during their time at Miami are they writing a business plan yeah, that they the learn the art of a business plan? Yeah, we'll actually have them work on business model first. So, so in our curriculum, you, you can actually enter into the program as a freshman. You can start taking classes as early as your first year, first, first semester on campus. Uh, you will enter into that sort of full-blown business plan by your fourth course in the curriculum. Uh, but you will have done business models. You will have p- applied business models from an entrepreneurial marketing side, from a, from a finance side. So by the time you get to the business plan, it shouldn't be brand new to you. You've walked through lots of experiences that kind of prepare you and get you ready and help you think about that. And many students have an idea when they get here. And what those early courses do is allow them to begin to flush that out before they get to to the full-blown business plan. Got it. 
Got it. And then what about internships? You talked about immersion earlier in the show. Uh, internships have to be an important part of the, the program. Yeah, they sure are. So, so again, the founder, John Altman, uh, actually endowed a program. And, and so part of the logic was, again, we think there's no substitute for experience. So putting students in uh, entrepreneurial and high-growth companies, we thought um, was nothing but a positive. If they go through and they do an internship there, they find out at the end of the term, the end of the summer, they don't like it. That's an okay outcome. I'd rather have them find that out now. But what many of them find out is I love this. And so not only do they intern at a startup company, but we also wrap around curriculum. So every week, our faculty or staff come and meet with them. Right now, we're doing three different immersion programs, one in Cincinnati, one in Chicago, and one out in Silicon Valley. And so our, our students are actually interning with companies in those areas and then meeting with faculty or staff each week that help them not just with what they're working on during the day, but help them work through the business model and the business model canvas um, in, in the evenings and weekends where they can then, again, turn and contribute value back to those companies the next day. Um, and so for us, there's no substitute for that experience, that sort of hands-on real-world learning. Uh, if you push that all the way to, to, to the far end, we've partnered with our interactive media studies group, and we do a full semester-long program in Silicon Valley. So Monday to Thursday, students intern. Fridays, they do company visits at Google, Apple, LinkedIn, et cetera. And then the rest of the time, they're engaging with the ecosystem. They're going to meetups and mashups and meeting with founders and meeting with angel investors. And so it's a real way to, to extend that immersion program. And so that kind of brings me back to what skill sets these corporations looking for. You had mm -hmm. mentioned earlier that corporations are increasingly interested in the skill sets that are brought forth through an entrepreneurship program. What skill sets are they specifically looking for? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and one of the biggest ones they're really looking for, and it's part of why we've extended our, our reach in this area, is around creativity. Right. So, so uh, it's certainly tongue in cheek, but they will say, look, we can hire 200 of the smartest kids off of a college campus. And within three years, we'll teach them to act and all think alike. And, and their point was they put them through, of course, tremendous, rigorous training programs. But part of that training also really brings about a s systematic way of thinking that doesn't challenge the process, doesn't continue to think of new ideas and different ways of looking at it. So an awful lot of the skill set is how do you engage them in, in creative solutions to ongoing problems? Um, and we try and, and play that out with some of our corporate clients. So we work with companies like Procter & Gamble. We work with companies like Fifth Third Bank or Key Bank or Lexotica, the eyeglass manufacturer. And they will bring a real problem and have our students intentionally work on trying to blow that problem up, trying to look at it through ways they've never conceived of before, and then have our students present to um, you know, 60 of their managers at the end of the term. And so it's really a way to try and, and break open some of that thinking in a, in a new sort of creative way. Yeah, I think that's I I I think that's outstanding. I really do think that not following the herd is really how these corporations are learning to to grow. Um, and, and then one last thing, and I'll let Brennan ask is is really 
incorporating the personal life into you know what we talk about here all the time and actually came up in our prior show is is including uh, you know the family uh, you know in the entrepreneurial experience because it is a full team effort um, and how do you continue to be a good father uh, or mother uh, or spouse uh, while you're going through this entrepreneurial experience yeah no it, it's a great question and I, I think there's a couple of ways that that I think we try and intentionally take it head on. So, so number one is awareness of it. So the students need to understand that this is a problem. Now, many of these students actually come from entrepreneurial families. So to those students, not such a great surprise because they've grown up with dinner table conversation about the family business. Uh, but to many other students, it is a bit more surprising. So we'll bring in speakers to talk specifically about the supposed you know, work-life balance of an entrepreneur, but help them understand some of the, the challenges that that raises as well. So, so that's one way. Secondly, we have curriculum specifically designed, <clears throat> we generically call it leadership, but really it's around building out your personal mission, your personal vision, and beginning to think about how that plays out in context of entrepreneurship. And so it challenges them to be more proactive in terms of uh, the way they would think about it and the, and the way that they would actually do it. And then, quite frankly, with many of the put things that we put them through, we essentially tell them this is not an academic exercise. So you do a client project. I don't care, day, time, night, weekend. Um, and so they start to emulate through internships, through client projects, through startup weekends. They start to see, not maybe not as a spouse or, or as a father, but certainly the kinds of demands that entrepreneurship puts on your personal life. Uh, maybe it's vis-a-vis -vis your friends today. Got it. That's Got it. that's awesome. And, and it's funny because I think most entrepreneurs never – I mean I, I sure when I jumped into it, you never realize that you, you bring that stuff home and you think about it all the time and so forth. Hey, I wanted to, to, to move on um, uh, to, to social entrepreneurship and maybe talk about your experiences and, and you know kind of uh, how, how that plays into the education at Miami. Sure. Terrific. Um, so so w when I came back to Miami, uh, it was a time when at least on the academic side, social entrepreneurship was just emerging. Um, so it had happened at Duke and Harvard and Stanford, Oxford in the UK at the graduate level, uh, but effectively non-existent at the undergrad level. Uh, and so I reached out to a guy, a guy named Greg Deese, um, who had helped build all three of these four programs. And I said, Greg, help me understand what, what undergraduate social entrepreneurship looks like. He said, I don't know. No one's doing it. I said, perfect. <laughs> that sounds like an opportunity. Um, and so we leveraged sort of the reputation of our, our farmer school of business here as a highly ranked business school. We leveraged the reputation of our entrepreneurship program, which was also highly ranked, and said, let's take it in a new direction. Let's move into this area of social entrepreneurship, which I'll sort of broadly define as innovative solutions to persistent social problems. So how do we take the same skill sets, the same set of activities that we described, and apply them to different outcomes? apply them to tackle problems like hunger and poverty and inner-city education. So we really pushed on that in 2006 um, and have found that to, to really help uh, accentuate our program. Very early on, we were fortunate enough to partner with uh, Bono. He and his wife had started a uh, apparel company in Africa that was focused on economic development through Africa. We ended up partnering with them, and our students built out an entire business model um, called Eden Live on Campus, that they took their model and, and did it not only here at Miami, but scaled it out to 30 different campuses. 
And so it really gave our students a way to engage in this, this sort of thing called social entrepreneurship, build a social enterprise that is both revenue generating and is driving social value on the back end. That's great. Typically, what sort? I mean, is for the a social entrepreneur or the the concept of that? Are most people thinking of that after they've had success? You know, I mean, is is this one of these things that a lot of the entrepreneurs are doing once they've kind of taken care of their their them you know their own kind of financial needs, or or is this what people are doing up front and initially? Yeah, I, I think the answer is, of course, it depends, right? So, so, so you see some people who will do it sort of later in life. Um, you see it, some people that say, hey, you know what? Actually, I can use that as a value proposition to my customers. So take the case of, of Tom Shoes. Um, Tom Shoes essentially is, is getting customers to engage with their business. Part of their value proposition is truly, will you buy my shoes as part of the social value proposition? You buy a pair, I'll give a pair. So they are really looking at this. Yes, it's revenue generating. Yes, it's a for-profit business. But in fact, part of that value proposition is social. And so I think you really see a mix there. Our, our push, our focus uh, in social entrepreneurship is really, is it revenue generating? We want it to have a financially viable, sustainable component to it. Otherwise, you don't have the mechanism that can continue to drive economic value. Uh, or sorry, drives social value. So, so the economic value provides the sustainability, and it's the engine that drives social value. So the economic model is Tom shoes selling shoes. The social value is therefore they can afford to give away shoes, uh, and yeah. so that's really a key component um, driving a lot of social entrepreneurial work. That's pretty neat stuff. Um, it's um, in EO. Uh, you know, I've known a lot of the a lot of the guys that have gone off, or guys, the, the entrepreneurs, uh, guys and gals that have have gone and done a big social push. It tends to be, from what I see, kind of after they've kind of built a company. Yeah. But I, you know, I love the love the fact that they because <laughs> I think it doesn't occur to them to do it until later. But I love well, that fact, and, and, and it's not intuitively obvious, right? It's a, a good friend of mine who does this work. Um, we'll talk about some of the initial work in this space, which was, was micro-loans or loans to poor people. Um, and, and it was to try and provide access to credit. It wasn't trying to build a financially viable, you know, super aggressive, profitable bank. You know, imagine if he came to you and said, hey, I've got this great idea, this untapped potential you've never heard of. I'm going to build a bank. And you're still listening. And then he says, for poor people. And you're like, huh, that's not exactly the target market I had in mind. But the reality is much of social entrepreneurship is actually leading the way. In the case of microcredit, it was the first out there, the, the sort of riskiest, the, tranche, the first tranche of capital, if you will, that eventually led for-profit banks to get into microcredit. Uh, and, and so it is an interesting way to think about how do these two kinds of entrepreneurship fit together both within the economy, but also within people's lives and over their course of time. So, Brett, we've got about a minute left here in this segment, and uh, but I wanted to ask why a prospective student uh, would look at Miami versus another university's entrepreneurship yeah. program. No, appreciate it. So there's lots of great programs. So there's no doubt about that. There's, there's increasing work in this space. But I think what differentiates Miami is the primary focus on the undergraduate student. 
So we are here just for the undergrad. Many programs also have graduate programs, not better or worse, just different. I think the second thing is what we've tried to talk about, these experiential opportunities. Time and again, you will be put in real-world application time after time after time after time that better prepares the students for the outbound side. And by focusing on the undergrad student, uh, that really allows us to do that. So the program's ranked, or the, the university is ranked third in the country between Dartmouth and Princeton in terms of undergraduate teaching excellence. So we, we leverage that. We push on that. We do it in the area of entrepreneurship in real-world settings, and it really leads to a terrific outcome for the students. Well, that's great. I'm a proud alum, and I got chills down my spine just listening to you talk about the school, and that certainly prepared me, and I probably couldn't get in there today. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Brett, thank you so much for, for being on the second stage. We, we learned a lot, and we're sure our listeners did as well. Uh, and with that, we are going to take a break here on our show and be back with some concluding thoughts about creating entrepreneurial-minded students. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of, a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. Like any forum, the show will be more effective and powerful if folks contribute their experiences and ideas. We invite you to continue the discussion from each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncp.com. And you can email us at thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. We want to hear from you because being an effective small business owner is a continual path of growth. And as your hosts, 
We have a lot of experience, but not all the answers. So, uh, Brendan, uh, another great show, another great guest. And, uh, you, you know, it seems like uh, uh, Brett, uh, with his other colleagues, have created a pretty unique program down there at Miami. Yeah, I tell you, you guys love the energy, love the answers. I mean, love the, you know, kind of the way he phrases definition of entrepreneurship, the things that they're focusing on, you know, what, what they're asking their their students to to do and, and all about, you know, kind of being being active in in a, in a real situation. And you know, that's that's pretty neat stuff. I uh, I was blown away by uh, by some of the things he had to say. It was pretty impressive. I was uh, I was impressed. Yeah, you know, I, this whole idea of the experiential learning, I think, is really um, uh, it's really kind of blurred the lines uh, between kind of your time on campus and an internship, and you know what the real world is like. And I think ultimately, whether it's Miami or any other school, I think it really. Cr- prepares undergrads much more completely for starting out uh, their their career. Um, I also thought it was a pretty healthy response um, to the whole idea of how to, the metrics around a successful undergraduate entrepreneurship program and that it's not the number of students that jump right into startups, that it's really um, – there's lots of other better measures that you can use and really, you know uh, – Asking entrepreneurs or, or undergrads um, and giving them the impression that they need to leave and immediately start a business, otherwise they're not, uh, you know, an entrepreneur. I think would be a shame. I think it's and I think it's great. It's I think the mindset too of, of teaching somebody at an early age that um, process isn't a swear word. I mean, you can be creative and still work within a process. I mean, I think I think most times, in particular, the the, the time I spend with the EO people and other entrepreneurs, you know, you bring up the word process, or you know, we use meticulous dedication to process as one of our our core values, and they and they and that you can kind of see that they're wondering whether they can be an entrepreneur within that, and and I think it's it's pretty neat. That, that Miami and other institutions are are teaching people this the concept of being creative, living within a process, you know, using the resources around you, being lean, you know, because I think you know, Jeff, how often do we get you know a proposal, somebody needing three, four, five million dollars, needing to prove out their process, and you know, I think the the fact of the matter is that the successful entrepreneurs are are doing it in a very lean kind of let's let's get to the market and get and get a reaction from the market or let's go find a, a partner in the market that can that'll help us verify this you know this a partner that can use the product or a concept or idea or service and and let's 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 have them help us prove this out and that's uh that's pretty neat stuff yeah i also like the whole discussion around uh what corporations are looking for and the creativity and having employees kind of push the boundaries of of what the norms are and again not to toot my own horn but i'm going to is when i started at LaSalle bank in chicago you know they didn't give you a territory and customers they said go out and find the opportunity wherever it was well i wasn't from chicago wasn't going to find anything that somebody else hadn't already uh, uncovered. So I started calling in Ohio, which was uh, you know two states away from from Chicago, obviously. And and fortunately, I had a boss, uh, Hal Stebbin, uh, that allowed me to go and and do something creative and different like that, and it ultimately paid off. Uh, but in my mind, you know, it was pushing the norms and it really created an opportunity for the bank to expand its, its geographic horizons. 
I got to laugh that when he was talking about, you know, trying to, you know, take students and, and talk and have them present some new creative idea around some problem that the company's been facing and present it to big names like Procter & Gamble, Key Bank, Fifth Third Bank. I, I just had a flashback to my banking days when, you know, any, you know, just the mindset must have have changed a lot because, you know, back in my day, the concept of, of uh, you know, I, as you know, I had a, a boss who let me run a little wild, a guy named David Genota, and we would do some wonderful, exciting things. But as soon as we started getting some scale and it started, you, you know, you take it, it required a higher approval that those approvals became few and far between. So, you know, I guess the good news is that you go off and you start a, you start a business because you, you see an opportunity, but, you know, hopefully the big companies take, you know, take this stuff and they embrace it because it's, you know, it, they're going to need it to stay competitive. They're really going to need it. Yeah, no, that that is exactly right. And and one of the other topics that I I personally find very interesting is this whole notion of somebody that's a rock star at GE. Let's say, well, GE has a stellar reputation and name, and it's going to open a lot of doors for you. But then when you step out and say, oh, I'm going to do this on my own, and you say, hey, this is John Smith, those doors don't open quite as well. And it's that whole process of building your credibility. Uh, and hopefully doors starting to open, and that only happens when you do what you say you're going to do. Well, I think Jeff, I think you almost have to pound that home a little harder. It's it's you know when 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 you and I are running around lending for a big bank, and we think we're the greatest sales guys in the world because we're you know booking all these loans, being creative, uh, you know doing some wonderful stuff. And then you walk out, and you don't have that name behind you. It's it's you know it's it's kind of a, sl- a cold water in the face. But it's but once you um, you know, once you fully embrace that and embrace the fact that if you can get stuff done, um, you'll be able to build your own brand um, is is humongous, and it's and it's it's you know it's fantastic to have you know institutions like Miami again teaching people that that this is part of life. This is things you have to be aware of. These are and uh, you know I think you and I may have uh, realized it because we we had to, uh, which was also <laughs> fun. It's or it's yep. still fun. Yep, it's still yep. fun. Well, certainly necessity uh, creates a lot of uh, energy and creativity. Anyway, you got to have passion for possibilities, and I think that that's uh, at the end of the day what they're teaching there at Miami University. I don't know if you have any last-minute things. Passion uh, for Thanks for dialing in or listening in. Yep, and we'll tune in again next uh, Monday at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week.